Hey guys, I'm excited today. I have uh, Josh Patterson on. Um, I became friends with him a while back on Facebook. Uh, he was a mutual friend of my friend Bryce, who's been on the, the podcast before. Um, and I found out that Josh has his own podcast called Rethinking Faith. It's really great. I've listened to a lot of episodes. And uh, lately, he's just been putting out banger after banger episodes. So I thought I'd you know, humble him and have him on so that we could have a worse episode. So you come back down to earth a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you want to give us a little intro to yourself and a little bit of your background? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, first off, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to, to hang out. Um, but yeah, my name is Josh Patterson. Like you said, I host the uh, Rethinking Faith podcast, which um, where I'm actually about to celebrate the fifth birthday of, which is crazy. Oh. Uh, coming up in in October it would be five years, uh, but yeah, I'm a former pastor. I served in vocational ministry for about six years, uh, and then I, for a series of complicated reasons, ended up leaving vocational ministry and became a brewer. Uh, not coffee, but beer. <laughs> so I was making beer for a while, uh, and recently, um, for another you know series of uh, complicated reasons, I've actually re-entered the church world to an extent, not as a pastor, but as a simple and hopefully humble administrator. <laughs> so now <laughs> I'm hanging out in a tiny little uh, Episcopal church um, as their parish admin. And that's been a lot of fun so far. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And um, Josh is really into process theology and uh, I've heard him talk about it and it really intrigued me. And so I thought I'd have him on to talk about kind of a broad overview of what that is and any questions I can, can ask, uh, is, so tell me first is open relational theology. Is that the same thing or is that different or is that related? How, how does that work in? Yeah, sure. So, um, probably how the best way to put it would be all process thinkers are open and relational but not all open relational thinkers are process thinkers. Got it. So, yeah. So um, open and relational is just kind of like a nice umbrella that includes uh, process thinking. Mm -hmm. But you like, yeah, if you're an open and relational thinker, it doesn't necessitate you being a process thinker. Um, okay. There are a lot of like very popular open and relational thinkers that are not process people like John Sanders, for example. Very famous in the open relational world, not a process guy. Mm, okay. So yeah. where does a uh, process theology come from as far as like the history in Christian Christian theology? Yeah, sure. So it kind of, it started with a guy named Alfred North Whitehead, who was a kind of famous uh, mathematician and also a philosopher. Wow. And he kind of developed process philosophy. Uh, he didn't call it that. He kind of referred to it more so as like a theology of organism. Excuse me, and then it was kind of uh, taken and appropriated uh, later into the realms of of theology um, by people like uh, Charles Hartshorn, who was one of uh, Whitehead's students, um, and then more recently, people like uh, David Ray Griffin or John Cobb, Catherine Keller, Marjorie Suhaki. Um, these have been some of the kind of Christian thinkers who have taken process thought and kind of brought it into the the Christian world. Um, and yeah, try to say like, okay, what if we take this philosophical system and have it play with our theology? You know, what kind of, uh, oh, fun things might happen. 
Wow. I had yeah. no idea it was like an originally like a philosophy thing and not necessarily brought up from the Christian tradition. Yep. Yeah, it came. So Whitehead himself, actually, uh, when he sought out doing his kind of like big, you know, metaphysical philosophy thing that he was trying to do, he actually kind of got rid of the idea of God. Um, and then he actually came back to mm. a belief in God because of his philosophical uh, kind of musings and um, his system, so to speak, doesn't work <laughs> without uh, mm. the divine. And so, mm. um, yeah, Whitehead, and then ultimately Whitehead um, did adopt uh, like Christian thinking, um, mm. but that wasn't really his his goal. He didn't set out to do mm. that. Um, he set out to kind of give this like overarching philosophical metaphysical system, um, right? And then it's just it's plays nicely with uh, with Christianity. Okay, interesting. And I've heard of uh, James Cobb. I don't know about those other names. And so th- the the Christians that have adopted that, wh- how do I ask? Was that were they already a part of a tradition, and that kind of melded in with their tradition, or is that its own thing, its own tradition? I guess. Yeah. So it seems like <laughs> whenever I look at some of like the leading thinkers within the field um, who have adopted process thinking. Um, there seems to be a lot of Methodist, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, maybe that's because there's a school called Claremont, um, which is like a, a seminary and they have a lot of uh, process thinkers um, there that kind you know, kind of uh, developed in that school, um, you know, doing theology and such. So uh, I don't know if there's like, one tradition necessarily that all of these thinkers kind of came from. Um, but I think they maybe had some similar uh, perhaps questions they were asking, or maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, things that would keep them up at night or something like that, that kind right. of, you know, brought them into the, the world of process thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like it's very unique, um, you know, not being a philosophical thing and then being adopted and then not, necessarily being its own tradition and its own churches. Um, so that, that's very interesting. Is there any other um, theology that's, that's like that in Christianity or is this kind of its is it unique thing? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure actually. I know, I mean, a process definitely is, <laughs> is unique Um in that there's a lot of people who process thinking kind of makes them a little bit uncomfortable because of some mm. of the um, things that it challenges or asks questions about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's, I mean, I'm sure there's different, you know, like philosophical traditions uh, right. within Christianity that are, um, you know, different, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cause every, everybody is bringing philosophy to their theology, like philosophy right, and right. theology are kind of difficult to separate. Um, and we all have these kind of like, you know, metaphysical traditions, um, that our theology has grown out of, for example, like the the tradition I grew up in, which is like a more, um, evangelical, um, tradition. A lot of the, um, theology is based off of ancient Greek Mm -hmm. metaphysics and philosophy. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's not bad. That's just naming what it is, you know? So, um, yeah, so I, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily an answer to your question, but just to point out, yeah, like, 
there are different philosophical streams within the Christian tradition. And I just happen to find process to be my favorite one. <laughs> right. And that's helpful. And um, yeah, anybody can go listen to your, your latest episode where you talk about Neoplatonism and process theology, mm-hmm. the, the similarities and differences. And uh, that was really fascinating and um, complex, uh, but it, it was good. as um, So I appreciate that. So you want to get into what is process theology? Yeah, sure. So I will, I was trying to think like the best way to, to do this because it's it's unfortunately one of the things that sucks about process thinking <laughs> is that mm-hmm. it's like a really complex um system and like whitehead was literally like making up words for things <laughs> uh-huh. and so then you have to like it it becomes difficult so anyway there's these three um kind of like points isn't quite the right word i guess points convictions whatever you want to say um mm. that I'm borrowing from uh, Phil Clayton and Andrew Schwartz. They're also both process thinkers. And they kind of give these three that I thought were really nice because they're not overcomplicated and they kind of capture the heart uh, mm-hmm. in a very generic way. So um, I can maybe read um, yeah. all three of them and then, you know, we can maybe talk about each one. I don't know. Yeah, um, for sure. How you'd want to do it. But so the first one um, is this. No one can cross the same river twice. Being is becoming. So that's the process bit of it. Uh, I'll say it one more time. Nobody can cross the same river twice. Being is becoming. So that's the process. Um, the next uh, one has to do with the relational aspect because we like to say process relational um, philosophy or theology. And that relational aspect is this. No person is an island. All things are interconnected, um, which is a fun one. I, I like that one. And then uh, finally, the third one has to do with the inherent value uh, in and through all things. And so one way to say that is um, that we seek to see heaven in a wildflower. All living things have value. And so those three things are very uh, broad and generic and they don't kind of get down into like the nitty gritty like weeds, but I think they're a mm-hmm. nice, a nice way to frame um, what process thinking is, or at least some convictions that kind of lead the framework, if that makes sense. Right. Right. Yeah. I love those. Those are great. Um, I, I think of uh, the first one, no one can cross the same river twice being is becoming, I think of a uh, spiral dynamics and how it, it's a, it's a process, evolutionary process of growth, and uh, we might come around to the same issues or, or same kind of things, but it's it's in the spiral. But it's always different every time. And identity isn't um, you're, you're always changing, and so so identity isn't a static thing that you're you're stuck with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a that's a really big part of of process thinking is that. Um, so it doesn't see things as um, static. So it's not, this is some big like philosophical jargon, but it's the ontology, the like mm-hmm. how things work <laughs> of process thinking is not substance-based, which is like very typical of a lot of Western thinking, but it's rather event-based. And so um, everything is literally a process. So mm-hmm. um, you and I are not static beings, but rather we are, uh, a process. <laughs> um, we're right. a society of organisms, something like that. Um, 
And so when we say no one can cross the same river twice, you could maybe even argue that no one can cross this, you know, when I uh, am outside the river and then I go to step into the river, I'm not the same person I was before I stepped in. So like, really, you can't even cross the same river once. (laughs) Because it's not the same because we're different and and the river is probably different as well. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's more honest, even scientifically, because just like you think about cells and they're constantly dying and new new cells. And so really Mm -hmm. it it is true even our essence our physical being is a process Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely and then if you think of a river right it's flowing it's constantly right constantly moving um and so that's kind of the process bit but where that becomes not just you know like um an idea about you and i or about rivers um Mm -hmm. process theology then takes that and applies it to god and says so too god is also in process (laughs) Um, yeah, which is where there's, we can start to get in trouble. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Some uh-huh. people might not like that too much, because mm-hmm. um, that you know that's where it starts to break down some of you know what's called classical theism, mm-hmm. um, and specifically kind of the idea of like uh, immutability uh, that God does not change, right? Um, right. Which the way a process person might talk about that would say that. Um, the they would they would just want to nuance that so they would say right. the essence of who god is does not change but god's experience changes moment to moment mm-hmm. um if that makes sense so we're never we're never going to have like one day god is love and then the next day we wake up and god is angry and sadistic or something like that so yeah, the yeah. The, again, another like really nerdy way of saying it is is God has an essence experience by Nate. Um, mm-hmm. God's essence stays the same, experience changes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that goes with number two. Uh, mm-hmm. This all things are interconnected, so God is interconnected, and uh, and and well, also number three. I when I, <laughs> yes. I when I hear number three, we see heaven. We see heaven in a wildflower. All things have value. It's like God is, would you say that process is, is very, um, synonymous with panentheism? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I'm sure they're out there, but most that like, you know, there are probably, there might be process thinkers who do not embrace panentheism, Mm. but it seems kind of part and parcel with, uh, how it works, uh, with how process. Yeah. Is so very much so. Mm-hmm. And so in panentheism, if God is in all things, things are changing. And so God is experiencing the universe through through the universe, through everyone and seeing from their eyes. And so everyone's experience or like a tree's experience, whatever, is adding to God's uh, who he is and his experience. But it doesn't change his essence. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And so... Um, what might also make it a little bit more uh, clear for people is um, earlier you asked about open and relational versus process. So in open and relational, the open bit is making a claim about how time works because <laughs> um, an open theist would say the future does not yet exist. Um, and, and so like, therefore it can't be known or something like that. So within process thought, it's the same. The future doesn't exist yet. And so God, in each moment, fully brings the experience of all creation or all the universe, all that is, into the divine self 
and then basically evaluates it and then gives uh, possibilities um, mm. to all living things uh, in each moment. So, so God is constantly inheriting what happens in each moment of becoming, evaluating mm. it, and then offering um, divine possibilities. So God is learning and growing and going with the world mm-hmm. um, or with creation, with the universe, mm. uh, with you and I. Um, and so it's constantly learning and gaining and, and, and growing. Yeah, that's interesting. It kind of makes sense to me in uh, the phrase of like, God makes uh, good out of all things. And so it's yes. like, we have our free will, but in each choice, God is like, I'm going to try to make the best possibility out of whatever you choose. And so constantly evaluating and giving the best choices, but you know, we could choose another, but then he's like, let me reevaluate. Let me give you the best choice after this. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. So it's like, uh, it's cool in that because, you know, the idea that, um, I'm so bad at quoting scripture, (laughs) but the, the idea that like God's grace are like renewed every morning or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, in this framework, it's not just only that grace is new every morning, but in each moment of becoming, because even when we do really stupid things, uh, God still takes that moment, evaluates it, and then still puts in front of us um, possibilities that are good and beautiful and true, um, you know, and towards love and, and these kind of things. Um, yeah, which in, in my opinion makes God like way bigger <laughs> than I ever thought because God's not only doing that for me and for you in each moment, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but for everything that is, all of mm-hmm. creation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's that's kind of a, a pretty big God. <laughs> Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I mean, me, I've gone into the the woo. -woo, I've talked about a little bit on this podcast and and how new age people think about it is God created the universe to experience everything. And so it's like they kind of have that idea, too. He's learning through experience, through our experience as well. And that's a part of creation and the the reason for creation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the... um... It's it's funny because I kind of I came to a lot of my process stuff actually because of my interaction with uh, like the mystics in different yeah. first you know within the Christian tradition because that's the tradition that I I grew up in and that I come from mm-hmm. uh, but also I you know read mystics outside of uh, Christianity um, and a lot of that you know what you're calling like woo woo. Uh, amongst the mystics actually resonates very deeply within. Mm-hmm. Uh, process thinking um right that's part of why i like it because yeah god Mm. is um god isn't somehow like out there up in the sky right Mm -hmm. um god isn't uh you know causing like a like a puppet master or something like that but rather god is present in and through all things in each moment um Mm -hmm. again constantly alluring us towards the good the beautiful the true this kind of thing um Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we can say, like, when we suffer, like, God knows what it's like for Josh Patterson to experience suffering mm. in a very real sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like, God knows that experience <laughs> mm-hmm. in the same way that God knows, uh, like, what it's like to experience suffering as Kendall. Like, that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's interesting. Because uh, is it is it in the Bible or is it some traditions that are like, 
God wanted to experience what it was like to be human or, or like to understand humans. So he sent Jesus to live a human life to, to understand and relate to us. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, I mean, I like that idea. I don't know if it's like specifically in the Bible or not. Um, mm-hmm. but I've, you know, another way to say that, that I've heard is from uh, Richard Rohr. Um, and Rohr says, God becomes the things that God loves. And so in the incarnation specifically of, of Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus mm-hmm. of Nazareth, um, God is becoming what God loves uh, through the mm-hmm. incarnation, you know, as a human, um, which is like, in my opinion, that, you know, different uh, theological traditions emphasize different moments in Jesus's life, right? Like the incarnation, right. the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension. Um, for me, the magic, so to speak, is in the incarnation, uh, mm. maybe that's being a little bit too anthropocentric, like too human focused. Uh, but I, there's something really cool about, you know, the creator of the universe or whatever you want to call it, uh, becoming incarnate in, in a mm-hmm. human, um, choosing yeah. solidarity, you know, God choosing to not be God without us kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, what is what are some of the things that are entailed in number two and no person is an island all things are interconnected yeah so this um this is really true this is just kind of recognizing that um the kind of hyper individualism doesn't work i can't tell the story of josh patterson without also telling the story of my wife noel or in the same way i can't fully tell the story of josh patterson without you know, telling the story now of me being like having this conversation with you. Right. Um, and so it's just a, a deep recognition of the actual, like genuine interrelatedness, the interconnectedness of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense where like with him process thought again, Whitehead called it like a philosophy of organism. So if you think of everything as one organism, um, if you go into that organism and then start to like pull out pieces of it to examine them, the organism itself, you're not going to get the whole story of the organism without the individual, right. but in the same way, you can't know the individual without the whole. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it uh, works both ways. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. That's beautiful. Um, I went to Buddhist temple once and uh, what he spoke about was about a flower and how a flower is not just one thing. It's the petal, it's, it's the leaf, it's the stem and all of that are important parts of the flower to, to make it, you know, live and grow, but it's, it's also a seed, but, but that seed changes, but it's also like that needs the soil needs the what, so everything is, is interconnected. And I, I just thought it was such a beautiful, um, beautiful lesson. And, uh, and you, and I guess with that, it's like, God is also interconnected. And so uh-huh. that's what leads to <laughs> number one, like <laughs> that we also contribute to God and God's experience. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think too, like one way that, uh, I have found helpful and I've, you know, talk about it this way on my podcast a lot is that, um, if I were to take this relational teaching seriously, um, this is when I talk about something like sin, right? Whatever Mm -hmm. sin means. I think sin arises out of, uh, what I call like the illusion of separateness. Because if everything really is, you know, if no person is an island and all things really are deeply connected, 
then when I believe I'm separate from uh, another person, then I can do very bad things. Like I can be racist and I can Mm -hmm. uh, kill people. I can exploit you, whatever. Um, Or if I believe that I'm separate from uh, creation or, you know, the universe, then we can do really bad things like destroying the environment and causing a massive climate crisis. Right. Or if I believe that I'm uh, separate from the divine, all sorts of really bad, shitty theology emerges and uh, people take something meant for good and turn it into evil. Or um, if I believe I'm separate from myself, right, then all sorts Mm of, um, you know, kind of like mental health crises and all sorts of things. And so I think really this is part of one of my favorite aspects of process thinking this, you know, the, the relational aspect, because I think it gives such a helpful um, reframing that if uh, maybe more people saw it and took it seriously, I think it has transformative power um, mm. mm-hmm. because then we can, you know, recognize when Jesus says like, what you do unto the least of these you do unto me, like mm. Jesus wasn't just saying something nice and cute. Like he meant that <laughs> right. like in a very real sense, what I do to myself, I do to my neighbor, uh, what I do to my neighbor, I do to myself, like this kind of thing. Um, because it is all deeply interconnected. We, we can't tell our full story without everybody else. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. And I mean, that connects with the mystics with the oneness and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And that, that, I think that's a great definition of sin. It's when we believe we're separate from others and from God, um, and try to do things on our own or just for our own self-interest. Yeah. Cause, cause then I think you're, Cause like I take that pretty seriously. So I'm saying like, I'm making a metaphysical claim that everything is connected. Um, mm-hmm. And so when we act against that, we're acting against the grain of like how the universe works. Right. Right. Um, and then that's why it causes all sorts of friction and problems and, and whatever is because like, yeah, we're challenging how like the very foundation of things is <laughs> mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. even within like one thing that, you know, we can learn with crazy stuff like quantum physics I was about to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like once we get down to like the, the smallest, uh, you know, what building blocks, whatever um, of, of how things are, it's, re- it's relationship. It's not, there isn't like a little Lego piece that then we like mm-hmm. stack up, but it, rather it's like a lot of empty space and a lot of relating. <laughs> right. So right. it's like built up of, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it's like uh reality is made up of relationship rather than, uh, what I want to think of theism, it's like the spiritual and the physical are separate and God chooses when to bring the spiritual down to the physical rather than like he's above, but he's also within all things. And our actions also affect the ontolo- ontological reality. And that kind of, I think helps explain like miracles or stuff, stuff like um, when it says like Jesus couldn't do any miracles in his hometown or Jesus said, your faith has healed you. It's like, we are an active participant and we can help uh, create or hinder miracles because we're also a part of that relationship of allowing that to happen or hindering that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's actually like one of the, that kind of like split that you talked about, the like spiritual and the physical, that's one of the things that process thinking is trying to um help overcome is kind of that like bifurcation of nature, mm. so to speak. Dualistic. Uh, yeah, exactly. The, the dualism, um, 
but jeez, and, and, and this gets into a whole bunch of stuff. But <laughs> but process thought, like a lot of what they're trying to do is like it's a naturalistic theism. So within process thought, there's not this uh, idea that like God is again outside of the created mm-hmm. order and then like breaks in sometimes and like does some cool stuff and then pieces out again. But rather, God is like they're one in the same they're like they're Mm -hmm. it's baked into the system so god doesn't have to break in sometimes because god is Mm -hmm. already present in and through all things at all times yeah Yeah. and so it's like this more naturalistic um kind so like the big way of saying it was like naturalistic dipolar theism um and that's yeah that's kind of the bit but that's pushing back against like some things within the philosophical tradition um where people did kind of bifurcate uh, like the spiritual and mm-hmm. the physical, right? So you right. have these kind of two um, within like philosophy, you have like these kind of like two big camps. You have the mm-hmm. reductionistic materialist, which is like mm-hmm. kind of the popular thing in science, right? Where it's right. like everything is just matter. And mm-hmm. this conversation we're having is just brain chemicals. It doesn't mean anything. Right. It's all an illusion. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. So you have that on one hand and then you have the dual like dualist on the other hand where uh, mind and body are separate or mind and or like the matter and spiritual Mm -hmm. are separate. Mm -hmm. Um, And what process thinking is doing is saying that like, well, we actually think both of those are like a similar position because the materialist and the spiritual or like the dualist, they assume the same thing about matter and what matter is. And then the you know dualists just add this extra spiritual element onto it. Process people are saying no, they actually um, it's it's a monism. They're they're one in the same. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, if that makes sense. So that's it's oh it's yeah breaking that that kind of dualism and saying that they're actually together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, <laughs> I I've talked about this before. Like in my awakening, I kind of had this realization. I was like, oh God, is in everything and. And I was even I had a graph and I was like plotting time and space and thinking about metaphysics physics. And I was like, where did this come from? You know, it's, it's just, and we see many of the mystics had that experience with God and they're like, Oh God, God is a part of all things. He's in me. He's within everyone. And it kind of went, goes along with the third point. And I just felt like I saw God in, in everybody. And I was like, some people are more aware of it. They act out of that spirit more but but he's in he's in everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um in each moment of becoming uh the divine is present offering again like um possibilities and like for some people the like for because of how their I don't know their like life experience or something like that the kind of possibilities available to them are going to be different than the kind of mm-hmm. possibilities available to somebody um, say who like, I don't know, prays all the time, grew up in the church, da da da, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, not because God is choosing sides, but just because um, God allows people to do their thing. Right. And so the kind of possibilities that God can offer me versus like, I don't know, I'm not trying to like set myself up as like good and noble or something, but like say, uh, like a serial killer, right? To really set the mm-hmm. bar low for myself the kind of possibilities available to the serial killer are different than me um, mm-hmm. because, you know, there's probably a lot of trauma there, et cetera, et cetera. So right. um, God is constantly offering these divine possibilities in, 
in each moment of right of becoming. Yeah, yeah. I, I think how I think about it is 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 through the lens of psychology, and it's like, oh, if I understood this person what they've been through, it would probably make sense why they are the way they are. Yeah. And of course, we still have free will. We still have to make the best of what we got. But a lot of time, it's like, how can you be loving and 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 appreciate that and accept that and live that out if you don't if you haven't really experienced that from other people growing up yourself oh yes absolutely absolutely and if maybe um another helpful example i'll try to push it into the realm of theology and talk about jesus (laughs) for a second yeah um so like one one way of thinking about jesus in a process you know perspective would be to say that Jesus, instead of focusing necessarily on like the sinlessness of Christ or of Jesus, we're talking about the fidelity of Jesus uh, to the divine lore. So if all of us are being given this, you know, divine lore in each moment and we have the ability to fidelity, can you explain what that is? Oh, sorry. Fidelity. Yeah. Faithfulness. Um, Faithfulness. Got it. Yeah. So fidelity is like, yeah, faithfulness to the call. So Mm -hmm. um, if each of us, you know, and everybody in each passing moment is being given these divine possibilities. We can either give in or not. Right. Um, Mm. So Jesus like perfectly gave in to the divine call. Jesus was uh, faithful to the, the divine lure, the call, whatever of God in each, Mm -hmm. each passing moment in such a way that Jesus literally became the image of God. Mm. Because if, Mm -hmm. if God is spirit, right. And God needs, you and I, people, creation to image God's self by being faithful mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. each moment. Jesus literally becomes the image of God because Jesus is perfectly living into the divine call in each passing moment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so like in my buddy Trip Fuller, uh, when he <laughs> explains this, he uses um, a reference to a movie called This is Spinal Tap, which I've still never mm-hmm. seen. Don't tell Trip. Um, I still haven't <laughs> seen it. Uh, and he kind of talks about Jesus being turned up to 11. Um, there's like a, a bit in that movie where, uh, the band, it's like a mockumentary and the band is like showing their new speakers and they had the manufacturer instead of them just going up to 10, they had them turn the, the speakers up to 11 <laughs> and the guy's like, well, why'd you do that? And he was like, well, it's one more than 10, isn't it? Like, you know, they, they go right. up to 11. And so Tripp uh-huh. is like, yeah, Jesus is like up to 11. And then I'm like, well, me uh-huh. for Josh Patterson, you know, maybe on a good day, I'm hitting like a six or a seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like that giving into that divine call in each moment, um, which is, mm-hmm. I think, one way that Jesus was unique um, was his fidelity yeah. to the to the divine call, if that makes sense. Right. I, I was going to ask you a little bit later, but you're already bringing it up about Jesus because I... I like how my friend John Chafee says it, that Jesus embodied both the best uh, fully human and fully divine in one being. And, and they're not, they're not separate human and divine. It's actually, that's, that's who we are to become becoming both fully and divine in flesh. And so people are like, Oh, Jesus was God incarnate. But it's like, if God is in all things and he's in us, and, and we're we're human, but we also have divine in us. Is God is God is in essence God is human like us, but He just lived it out perfectly, and 
we're we're not there, <laughs> not there yet. <laughs> yeah, it would is that is that uh in line with process thought? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I I love that image um, or or that way of speaking, and I think too it gives us kind of again. I, I think it has transformative power. Like I'm interested in the the pragmatics of that. Like if we're right recognize that like the divine is present within me in the same way that it's in you um and take that seriously then that's going to like change how we live our lives and treat each other and things like that um so yeah very very much so i i think that's uh, a really helpful way of of talking about it. and also too like you know if you want to just say like well screw josh patterson i don't care what he thinks um mm. paul in right in the new testament says you are god's and so well, Jesus like, hey, says that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And so it's like it's being thrown out there. Like it's there. It's it's present. Um and so like you know, Jesus was divine and so can you. It's like how mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe right. how I would right. say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um come back to the first wrap, wrap around again. There's so much more to that. Um in the no, third one, lot, yeah. <laughs> uh we seek heaven in a wildfire or we seek to see heaven and wildfire, all living things that have value. Is that synonymous with original goodness? Um, yeah. Well, so I definitely think original goodness is is present there because it is a recognition that things, um, you know, were created good. Uh, but I think also too, it it just it holds this like deep. Uh, it, it it basically values everything has deep intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. Uh, within a process relational framework and i'm not just talking about people but like all things um, right yeah and so yeah that i mean the original goodness idea definitely fits there um it 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 um would play nicely because yeah if you want to take seriously like oh it was good it was good it was good it was right, very good right. like that kind of thing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. then yeah very very much so original goodness mm-hmm. would would resonate with that Right. And I think it goes too with the, you know, panentheism and God is being in all things. And so it's like, that's what gives us life. That's uh, he's the ground of all being. And, and without him, we wouldn't have life. We would be dead. The, the, the earth wouldn't have life. It would be dead. And so at the core, we have that goodness. And I think too, like even talking about like medically, I think that so many times we, uh, I'm getting a little off track, but like when we're sick, it's actually a process of us working to heal ourselves. And so our body is is good. It's, 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 it's pure at its essence, I guess. And, and, and so we don't have to think of this dualistic, like fighting against ourselves and our, our flesh. And you know, there's problems, there's ego, there's sin, whatever, but that's not the core. And so I think it gives a little bit shift and different flavor. And so you can, start to build a relationship with yourself and, and trust in that. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I like, I like how you said that, that it's, it's like not the core or it's not like the essence of who we are. Right. Cause I think ultimately not always, there's not everybody teaches original sin this way, but the way that I was growing up being taught was like the kind of like worm theology that like, yeah, you are right. garbage. Jonathan Edwards. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You can't do anything good. Like nothing mm-hmm. that you do is good. It's all filthy mm-hmm. rags, blah, 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 blah. And that was mm-hmm. like, that was making a claim about the essence, the core of who I am. So like, um, I think within like a process relational framework, people are still going to be like, yeah, people do dumb stuff all the time. 
Like, it's rather obvious. Like, turn on the news and see people killing each other. Right. That's not good. But that's not the core mm. of who those who that person is. Um, right. There's something deeper. There's something inherently valuable. There's something, um, again, like yeah, in, in, intrinsic to the the, the worthiness of um, of all things. Mm. And again, I I think that point too ties into number two, the kind of relational aspect. Uh, because again, when everything has that kind of deep value, then you're going to treat it as such, right? Mm-hmm. Um, almost kind of like the uh, the idea, like like Namaste, right? Which is like the the recognition, like you know, the divine in me, recognizes the divine in the divine you. you, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. But like taking mm-hmm. that and then expanding it everywhere, right, right, yeah. It, it's still so funny to me because a lot of Christians are like, oh yeah, Amag Mago Day, everyone's made in God's image, but they won't take that next step of, of the divine and everyone and, and, and that original goodness and everybody. Um, it's a little frustrating, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and even too, because you can find it like that isn't necessarily just like, uh, Oh, well you guys are just progressive liberal kind of thing. Right. Like um, Carmen Imes, for example, she uh, writes, she's like an evangelical old Testament scholar. Um, and she does, she's done a lot of work around this understanding of the image of God and, um, you know, uses the Bible and, and talks about how Genesis narrative is like very similar to that of like building a temple. Um, mm-hmm. And that the like humans were kind of placed in the temple and in, in, so to speak in Genesis as the image. Right. So as the idol, um, as in like when you would go to a temple, whatever God that you were there to worship, they'd have images of that God in the temple. People are that thing. <laughs> like when creation was made, you know, within mm-hmm. the the Hebrew text, God placed people as the image in the temple. So like mm-hmm. people literally are the are called to be the image of God. Are called to right. image the divine into mm-hmm. creation. Um, mm-hmm. And I think original sin um cuts that out because it's not a recognition again of that that goodness that you're talking about um but also recognize like that's pretty big like if god wanted to represent god's self and was like i'm going to throw some people in there like we should probably take (laughs) like the human vocation is kind of cool right like Mm -hmm. yeah have you read uh pete n's latest book curveball i have yes oh it's amazing. Yes. Uh, it's my it's favorite really of his, book. actually. Yeah. Oh, nice. Right on. Yeah, Pete's, uh, Pete's a good dude. He's going to be at um at the Alex the beer, beer camp. camp again. Yeah. 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 That'll be great. Um, he was really big in uh my my spiritual journey and understanding. Um, and I actually have someone going to be on the podcast talking about early Christianity that goes to the uh, seminary that he teaches at. So and and it actually was editing curveball so um <laughs> nice. that'll, be, really that'll cool. be fun yeah nice uh, but uh in the book curveball I, I really like the chapter on christ and in, in, in the church as his body and how christ's work is unfinished without us we need to live out his body as his body to continue his work and continue that restoration of all things yeah ab- yeah absolutely i i liked that that bit too and that's um kind of again that idea if god is is spirit god doesn't have like a, a physical body and yeah god <laughs> mm-hmm. god needs us is, is like you know calling on us to right. um, live into that to literally be the body of christ like uh mm-hmm. to use christian language 
Um, so yeah, I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that chapter. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that chapter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Before I get to the big, the big one, okay. um, how does open relational, how does it fit within that? But not all of them identify as process people. Yeah. So like, hmm, and this is going to show my, my, uh, limited understanding, but I think, um, process kind of takes things and pushes them a bit further like there, I think a lot of it would end up coming down to like what um, aspects of, you know, like classical theology gets uh, denied, right? Um, and I like how that plays out. Um, process just kind of, I think, takes open and relational theology and pushes it further. I, I don't mm-hmm. have a, another good way of saying that. I'm trying to think right. of like a helpful example. Um Cause you, all right. So like a lot of, maybe this will be helpful. A lot of process thinkers uh, tend to also um, have a very deep uh, pluralism about them when it comes to mm-hmm. different faith traditions. Right. Uh, while that isn't necessary of a lot of open relational thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, or like maybe another way of saying it is like, op- there are a lot of like open and relational thinkers uh, within kind of like, more evangelical traditions um, or more conservative traditions. So they don't, um, yeah, I, again, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't have good language. They don't, oh, like, that's fine. They don't like push it as far. Mm. Um, yeah. Cause there, I mean, there's, it's just debates over different like theological topics. Like uh, kenosis right. is one that comes to mind. Like um, people will debate uh, how far to push kenosis, like, which is mm-hmm. the, the divine self-emptying, the self-giving of God. Um, some people are uncomfortable with the idea that God is in process and changing. So they'll, mm-hmm. they won't affirm that kind of thing, but they'll still say that like the future is not settled. Um, mm-hmm. so like maybe that's actually like a really easy example that was just escaping my mm-hmm. mind. They can still have like hold a lot of the other like classical, like theology perspectives. Um, mm-hmm. but then just like reject that the future is settled. Um, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, and it, and it's also part of why it's difficult is because like open and relational is such a big umbrella and in the same way process, um, is big as well because you don't have process thinkers just within the Christian tradition. Um, I mean, I don't think it works, but you have atheists that are process thinkers, <laughs> um, <laughs> or mm-hmm. you have, uh, Buddhists that are process thinkers or Muslims mm-hmm. that are process thinkers. Um, mm, Yeah. I see a lot of Buddhism in this. That's great. Oh, there's a ton of Buddhism in it. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of work. Um, that happens a lot, a lot of interfaith dialogue between uh, process mm-hmm. relational thinkers within the Christian tradition and, and Buddhist of all flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. just with like Eastern thought in general, like a lot of Hinduism, um, these kind of things, they play nicely. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I was going to ask about number one being is becoming because in Eastern perspective, as far as I understand that our essence is like, like the Atman, the Brahman, like our essence is divine. And so that's who we truly are. And so would they be comfortable with saying being is becoming? Um, They, as in like people who hold the, to like Atman is Brahman and Brahman is Amin. Yeah. Just like the Buddhist perspective or Hindu. Yeah. I think, um, 
I think it would it would depend on the person, um, but there's definitely mm-hmm. a lot of uh, play there um, and a lot of deep resonance. Um, I'm trying to think of like a helpful way to say it or to put it because that's one thing for me that, you know, I've had a lot of friends with people who are, you know, like PhD scholars in this field. <laughs> and right. I'm like, maybe, maybe one day I'll get there. Um, mm. But I, I've enjoyed a lot of the kind of thinking you're talking about and reading people like Alan Watts. Um, and mm. I've had conversations about how they're similar. Um, and there definitely are some differences, but I don't, yeah, I, I don't think it would be, difficult for people to say that because ultimately what being is becoming is saying is that um we're not we're not static like there's not a static substance called josh patterson um Mm. but the very act of being like Mm -hmm. is becoming because in each moment um right you know and i guess that makes sense if god is always his his um the, the Brahmin would be the part of God that is experience is the universe mm-hmm. that is always becoming. And that's a part of who we are. And so I get, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's um, yeah. I wish I had a better answer to that question. Cause I know there is one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, that's fine. But like, I do know one thing I like about process thinking is that it has deep resonances with something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and so you can kind of, uh, you know, tap into that one way, uh, recently that's been handed to me about thinking about this is like not confusing. How, how does he say it? Um, not because not confusing love with the beloved. So like I could express to you why I love my wife. Right. Mm -hmm. And you would like then have an understanding of that. But at the same time, you're not then going to like ask for my wife's phone number, right? But you're still you're uh-huh. still going to have the understanding of what that love is. Uh-huh. But just the beloved is is um you know something something different. Like I'm applying that thing love to you know the beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And in the same, so I'm way, interconnected to that by you explaining to me. But I'm not you, and I'm not in that yeah. relationship. Yeah, exactly. You're not you're not in the relationship, but then also too, you can then go into your life and recognize like, oh, there are ex- ex- there are experiences where I too mm-hmm. experience this thing called love, and it's not necessarily just connected to Josh's wife. Like, <laughs> like, like it doesn't. <laughs> right. It's not that. Like, I ex- the, you know you experience the principle love in is yes. in there is in other areas as well. Yeah. So yeah. you're not you're not confusing the two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like John, I know John Cobb. Um, kind of uses that analogy to talk about like a, like a deep religious pluralism. Uh, Trip Fuller has picked up on that kind of language um, as well. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that gets at it at all, but yeah, that's, this, that's helpful. I appreciate that. I didn't expect to be talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Yeah, exactly. It's a, weird, it's a weird one, but it's a, it's a fun one because it, it kind of, it gets at the, I think it gets at the heart of it pretty quickly. Cause we all, we all know what that is, right? We've seen movies, right about people falling in love or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have that own experience for ourselves without necessarily trying to like, you know, yeah. Go get the phone yeah. numbers of like everyone else who falls in love with somebody else kind of thing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's come to the, to the big question, you know, if, if all these things that we're talking about is true, then what is, 
the meaning of Jesus and the the cross. How does how does a process thinkers think about that? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And different process um, thinkers will talk about that differently. Uh, what if? Yeah, because so because basically, you're not gonna what you're not gonna find is like. Um, you're not going to find the kind of like penal substitutionary atonement. Like that's not really going to be affirmed within a process thinker um, mm. because it just, it doesn't work <laughs> within the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but one way that I find um, that I have found helpful, and I'm going to butcher it so bad, but in his book, divine self-investment um, trip um, uses this analogy of the, uh, have you seen like the Christmas Carol, like the famous, mm. Like, uh, what is it? Charles yeah. Dickinson or whatever. Yeah. Right. So within the ghosts, tr- mm. exactly. Yeah. There's the three ghosts. So what, like, I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember, you have the ghost of the Christmas past, past, present and future. Right. Mm-hmm. So in each moment, like what's cool about that is that past, present and future are kind of like the three powers, so to speak, within process thinking. And that gets like into like weeds philosophically. But what's cool about this is he's talking about, um, you know, Scrooge, right. And Scrooge Mm -hmm. has shown his past. And so his past is then becoming real to him in the present moment. Um, and he's recognizing like all this, like terrible things that he's done, how he's like screwed over people he's loved, etc. And then he's shown his present reality. And again, in that present moment, Scrooge is not comfortable with who he is. Right. Um, and that's like all sorts of jacked up. And then you have the, the ghost of the future, like, Hey, Scrooge, guess what? If you continue doing this thing, um, if you continue being the person you are in the present, then your future is not looking so bright. Mm. And so it gives Scrooge the the right nightmare, mm. right? Because then Scrooge mm-hmm. awakens to the reality that like, hey, um, I have a shitty past. And guess what? I can't change that, but I can change how I relate to it in the present mm. moment. And so Scrooge mm-hmm. ends up changing how he relates to his past and then in the present becomes the person that he wants to be right. Because our, again, our, our, our being is our becoming. So um, if you, you know, we are, we are who we are becoming is, is another way of saying Mm -hmm. that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like, if you want to be a generous person, then just start being generous in the present moment. And then like, you Mm -hmm. will become that. Um, Mm -hmm. And ultimately that that'll lead to the future. And so, the cross acts in a very similar way. The cross gives us the right nightmares. Um, the cross shows us what happens when like a, you know, like a Jewish rabbi um, is killed uh, by the state, right? Because he'd rather bear crosses than build them. And so it's, it's this image of what it looks like when um, the divine is imaged perfectly and then the world rejects that and so it's it's not just this kind of uh boring like oh jesus was a nice guy now we can follow him but rather jesus gives us like the the right kind of nightmares but also too because of the past like i'm, I'm going to use some process language here so forgive me but in each moment of becoming we the process word is prehend um, we're prehending the past in its entirety, which means um, it's subconscious. We're we're feeling the mm. past. So because of the act that Jesus d- did in each moment of our becoming, we prehend 
the actions of Jesus. And we have the ability to choose to live into that or to not. Right. Um, the, the divine lore, I think maybe we could talk about it as like the divine lore became stronger. Like Jesus is almost like a, we upgraded our, you know, cell phone from 3G to 5G with Jesus, <laughs> right? And so now the divine uh-huh. lore is being amplified louder and, and more present and more active. And that opens mm-hmm. up more generative possibilities and creativity in each moment of becoming where we can choose to live into uh, what it looks like to be the image of God via the person of Jesus. And so the cross offers all of that. Um, And also you could say the cross is a critique of empire, right? Like what happens when perfect love shows up? Empire crushes it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those kind of things. So yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Those things, I don't know if anything I just said made sense because oh, that was a, great. A process relational atonement theory is something that is very much on my mind and is yeah uh, something that I I wrestle with. And so like that antenna ideas, uh, I haven't shared that before. That's like full sail in my mind. I don't know if it works. Oh, wow, or not. <laughs> nice <laughs> kind no, of thing. No, I, so we'll see. I, I think I think that was great. Um, I really appreciated that, and that's cool that that's something new come out of you um, that that you haven't expressed yet in all your podcasts. Um, I've enjoyed <laughs> when you've talked about um, the tome and stuff like that. Cause, cause I'm right there with you. I can, I can see and understand how Jesus changed the psychology and understanding of humanity. Now I I'm trying to be open that maybe like I would definitely say I'm not on board with the substitutionary penal atonement belief that God needed, like he needed a blood sacrifice to say his himself. So for, for us to be in relationship with him, personal relationship, I don't believe that, but if there's other, some mysterious way, I think like CS Lewis is like the deeper magic Mm -hmm. uh, when, when Aslan. And so it's like, what is that exactly? I don't know. It's some law of the universe that we don't understand. Maybe Jesus died and, and, and satisfied that law in some way. Um, perhaps, I, I don't know. But but what I can understand is how that he eradicated the belief that we needed to have any more blood sacrifices to have a personal relationship with God and that, that we to continue in this guilt and shame and fear. And, and it's like, you no, know, God, God has forgiven you. So now live in a relationship with him. And the symbolic, like you said, Jesus and, and his, the symbolic meaning of what he did always stays with us. Cause there's always times where, you know, I'll send and be like, you know, I want to naturally, I want to stick in that guilt and that shame. Um, or even you can say anger and be like, oh, I didn't do anything. <laughs> um, but, but, but then it was like, oh, I, I, I can understand Jesus, God gave me, so I don't need to sit in that and I can die to myself and then live through the spirit of God within me. And mm-hmm. so I, I can see that and that, that makes total sense to me. So I, I like, I like the way you put it as well. It's really great. Hmm. Yeah. It's, huh. It's interesting, too, because I, I was listening to a podcast earlier today when I was cutting the grass, um, and they were talking about how when Paul uses the language of sinner, it's not something that Paul uses to like talk poorly about others, but rather 
sinner is the language that Paul uses to refer to himself after he comes into the recognition of the relationship that he has with the divine. And so why that's so interesting is because it's a total reversal. Because what does the church do a lot? It goes around and tells people that they are sinners and that they then need something for this to become, you know, fixed or something like that. That's Mm -hmm. not what Paul was doing. Like Paul was recognizing like that, oh, like I've always been connected with the divine. And when I do dumb stuff, that's what it means to be a sinner. (laughs) It's like, again, it's, Mm. it's going against that grain of, of, of reality. Um, Cause even like Jesus, when he was going around, like forgiving sins and stuff, he was doing that way before, before he he did the whole cross thing. Um, So that can't, you know, necessarily be the thing. I think, um, yeah, for me and I, I have, you know, I have to figure out the technical language of how to fit this into process thought, but like salvation is this, like, is the awakening to, and the recognition of like the interconnectedness of all things. Um, right. And recognizing reality for what it is. It's, it's waking up yeah. to what's really true, you know, awakening mm-hmm. from that illusion. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Jesus that's what, that's what... helps us do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting excited here. No, you're good. Get excited. Get hyped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm hyped. Again, what what, uh, my friend John J.P. says is that Jesus didn't change reality. He showed us a better picture of what reality actually is. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, God God is within you. The temple is your body this whole time. It's just like you didn't realize it, and you're putting up all these blocks to – meet the divine but it's always been there within you Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and i think that's like the the already not yet aspect of like the kingdom of god thing yeah um is that it is a present reality that we can live into but at the same time it's not fully actualized right yes um Mm -hmm. like my my buddy aaron simmons uh he actually has a really cool new book out called uh camping with kierkegaard um He's a philosopher and a nerd, but he talks about this um, in light of like fishing. He's he loves fishing. Right. And so he talks about like when he goes fishing, obviously he wants to catch fish, but that's not the whole point. So like he goes fishing because he's a person that, you know, he wants to be the kind of person that goes fishing. And so it's like Mm -hmm. not, it's not the, in the catching fish, but rather as becoming the kind of person that goes fishing, that spends times in the rivers, et cetera. And so by participating in the practice of fishing, by stepping into the river and actually doing the fishing, he is then living into the kind of person that he wishes to become. Mm. And so it's that already not yet. He's doing it. Yeah. He's living Mm -hmm. it like living in the fishing kingdom of God or something like that, whatever, (laughs) blinding the metaphor. (laughs) But so like in the same way, when we, you know, I don't know, live into what Jesus says, the kingdom of God is, we are become, we are being the kind of people who are anticipating this, you know, future when the kingdom of God Mm -hmm. is fully actualized, but we're living into it in the here and now. So it's that already not yet. Um, Yeah. It's a way of orienting uh, oneself in the world, not, because of um, some kind of like strict set of beliefs, but rather it's a way of living faithfully into the kind of, uh, you know, reality or the kind of person that we mm-hmm. wish to create. Um, yeah. I, I think that's great. I think uh, Paul kind of talked about that 
in, in his own way. And that was a big part of my journey a long time ago, way before my awakening, when I read Romans eight about mm-hmm. how we're no longer sinners, we're perfected in Christ. And so it's like, yeah, we're, we're, already, we're still be- becoming that, like our sin is still trying to drag us down and hold us back, but we don't identify as sinner anymore. But it seems like churches, <laughs> evangelical, they, 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 they don't re- realize that or recognize that it's like, no, we're, we're sinners. And, and, mm-hmm. and so I feel like it's a failure to, to see ourselves in that new identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think too, interestingly enough, it, it kind of plays into this idea um, that has often been caught amongst, you know, different philosophical thinkers, like um, the idea of like the sacred object, that there's this thing out there that exists, that if we got it, then life would be good. Then we would be perfect and complete. So maybe um, it's, you know, if we got that promotion, if we made X amount of dollars, if we married this person, if I got this sports car, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see this kind of myth of the sacred object propagated throughout like TV commercials and society and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but the truth of the matter is once people get that thing, they're still not satisfied. Right. Um, because again, it's a myth. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes the church can do the same thing um, by literally making essentially making God the sacred object. Mm. Um, and so then that's where I think a lot of like the, you're just a dirty sinner, this kind of stuff comes from and like, Oh, but once you have God, right. Once you have that cross right. uh, shaped hole in your heart filled, then you'll be good. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, again, it's a, a failure to recognize the reality of things in which like you're already good. <laughs> right. Right. And so like, yeah. The the part of the act of faith is believing what is already true about you. It's like accepting mm-hmm. that God is telling you, like, no, you are already loved. You already belong. You're already good. Um, mm-hmm. And part of the act of faith is is actually believing that, is believing that grace is true. <laughs> Not right. just for me, yeah. but also uh, for you and for your enemy uh, and mm-hmm. for your neighbor, and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. That's great. I love it. Um, how would you talk to Christians who are like, you know, people don't know Jesus, so they're, they're not saved or whatever, like, and how I've tried to think about it or or, or talk about it is, you know, if you're living out the fruits that Jesus did, that's, that's the same thing. And, and that, that is also evident within creation and other people live out these fruits. And so whether people know Jesus specifically, I hope they do. And I, I think that's very helpful, but they can learn who Jesus is through many, many ways, different, like the spirit will work in anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, <laughs> it's a big question that the question of uh, <laughs> pluralism, that's a good one though. Actually, I just got this book in the mail about that. Um, and I've, I've read a couple other, but the way that I would talk about it, um, cause I, I, I agree with you. So I, I think like, you know, if we believe like X, Y, and Z is the fruit of the spirit and we see people, um, exemplifying the fruits of the spirit, then like, Hey, something's going on there. Um, even if they like, don't call whatever they're doing Christ or Jesus or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but also too, for me, if I genuinely believe that God is present and acting in and through all things, 
um, and seeking to bring us all towards, you know, goodness and, and beauty and truth and this kind of thing, um, then that means God is willing to meet each and every single one of us in our own context, in our own mm-hmm. <laughs> journeys of becoming, mm-hmm. um, and meet us where we're at and relate to us, relate to each of us in such a way that we can understand. And mm-hmm. so that means I think God is active and present in and through my Muslim brothers and sisters in the same way that I think God is active and present in the Buddhist and in the, you know, whoever. And that's not to say that I think all religions are the same or somehow like God is tricking people. Um, but rather I'm trying to affirm all of these different expressions, right. Of the divine in these different traditions and say that what I think is meaningful is that we inherit the tradition that we find ourselves in, in a way that's faithful to that tradition, but also seek to learn from the different traditions as well, because I think they too Mm -hmm. are interacting with uh, the same uh, divine presence, the same God uh, that I'm interacting with as well. And I happen to be in a Christian context um, and you know, I, I like this Jesus guy and stuff. <laughs> um, mm. And so like I favor that and I want to be honest in saying that I favor the Christian tradition. Um, but I also want to say that God is active and present um, in and through these different uh, traditions as well. Not in a way to reduce them all into one and the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think religions mm-hmm. are, are asking different questions and giving different answers. And yeah. that's really great. Um and that's fine, um, but we should have the humility to to be able to tap in and and learn from all of those traditions. Um, and yeah. at the same time, yeah, no, like as Julian of Norwich says, that like all will be well, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I was just thinking today how Eastern perspective, the way we talk about salvation and Jesus, wouldn't really connect with them the same because they they've always had this understanding that um they're connected and uh, yeah the amen and the brahmin and 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 so the way we said it is jesus came to show us what reality was and they already had that kind of understanding of the divine um but i i think that we're a christian Christianity where Jesus really shines through is the way to live that out. And so I would say like Buddhism maybe has a better understanding of, of reality of the oneness, but Christianity has the best uh, example of how to live in this physical world is an example Mm. of, of divine and human in flesh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I think that, um, yeah, accepts and treats both traditions um, well and fairly. And I, and I also think, too, within a lot of Eastern cultures, they don't have this kind of like hyper individualism that we find a lot mm-hmm. in the West. And then especially in right. not all forms of Christianity, but in a lot of Christianity, it's hyper individualism, right? The salvation question is, is are you saved, right? It's about right. individuals right. where mm-hmm. I would argue like, even like within the Hebrew scriptures, like the Jews didn't understand salvation as this individual thing. It was communal. 
And again, mm-hmm. this comes back to the process relational stuff, right? Um, my salvation is intricately wrapped up and tied into your salvation. Mm. And so my, I'm not saved until you are and vice versa. <laughs> um, right. And mm-hmm. so like, yeah, it's not this hyper individualistic thing. I think that communal aspect really matters. And again, that ties into mm-hmm. that, like um, understanding that no person is an island and that all things are, mm-hmm. are deeply interconnected. Uh, but then you, you find that too in like liberation theology within the Christian tradition. Um, right. Or like with, I mean, just think about like, again, the, the Hebrew Bible, it, it wasn't about like individual people in Israel being saved. It was about Israel, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, it's right. again, it's inherently communal. Uh, right. and I think that's again, one thing that like the, the kind of Eastern traditions, um, bring in nicely as well is, is that communal mm-hmm. aspect. You don't have kind of the hyper individualism that you find, uh, within a lot of Western thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's great. Does uh, process theologians have uh, a, a, a common or or maybe similar views about um, I don't know what the, what the theological term, but like the end times uh, hmm. or, or the kingdom of heaven coming, uh, you know, coming down or what that looks like? Yeah, so like some kind of like process eschatology. <laughs> eschatology, there's the word. Yeah. They're, um, so I know of a, of kind of variety of perspectives, different, different people have different ways of talking about that. Um, because within the process relational framework, right? Like there's no guarantee of that. Um, mm. and this isn't something future that doesn't exist, <laughs> right? The future doesn't exactly. And uh-huh. something that I, I haven't, you know, said explicitly, but like God is not a God of coercion. Um, God mm. doesn't override, and again, within the process relational framework, God doesn't override our our free right. will, and this is kind mm. of a rejection of um, uh, of omnipotence, is is mm. what that is. Um, mm-hmm. And so, if God isn't um, omnipotent, as in God doesn't have all the power, um, God isn't mm. a puppet master or something like that, but rather we have genuine uh, freedom. Uh, yeah, it, the, the kind of eschaton is not, there's no guaranteed future. Um, Mm -hmm. we can have hope and also recognize Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, God ultimately probably will hopefully (laughs) Mm -hmm. get God's way. Right. But it's going to require creation to cooperate. Mm -hmm. And so the kingdom Mm -hmm. of God coming to earth is, it is dependent on us, like actually believing it and buying into it it's not just like right. we can't just like i'll oh, say like oh thoughts and prayers kind of thing like there's actually no it mm. it, it actually amplifies the human uh, vocation um and also um invites us into kind of that again that's that already not yet that kind of future that we're hoping to mm. create uh you and mm. i have the ability to create that future with god right um mm with with the divine by giving into it and so people talk about it it differently i know Mm -hmm. so does that make process theologians uh hopeful universalists (laughs) oh yeah well so all right so tom ward all right i'll bring in my buddy tom so tom is a is a process uh thinker and instead of using the the term hopeful universalist tom basically says that love is never gives up Love is never ending. It's the unrelenting love view is what he says. Mm-hmm. And so because to be consistent, 
to kind of the uh, like God is non-coercive perspective, you have to say that the the possibility of people not choosing to like choose God um, has mm-hmm. to remain a real option. However, mm-hmm. God's love is unrelenting. And so yep. nobody, no matter how long it takes, is ever outside of the bounds and the love of God. God is constantly going to mm-hmm. be present in and through all things, alluring that person into divine mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just got more stamina than us. Exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. God is, has all the stamina. <laughs> and yeah, because I mean, like sin and all that stuff. That's that's gonna wear you out. And, and so that's what I said. Is like I think eventually everyone's gonna realize they're good. You know, God loving them. That's that's a better option. And eventually, I'm everyone's gonna choose that. Yeah, I I would think so, or at least I would hope so. Um, right. And that's kind of right. yeah the the perspective there but like one thing um if i could just say it too just to bring a little bit of clarity around the mm-hmm. um rejection of omnipotence is that really comes from and this was actually my uh, like one of the big reasons i find process thought alluring um was because of the what's called the problem of evil right so like yeah. why is there mm-hmm. bad things that happen in the world and if god is all powerful and god could stop evil and doesn't like why is that um and so you have some people that say uh, i.e like you know people who believe in total sovereignty that god preordained everything uh exactly how god wants and it's all for god's glory right so the holocaust god's doing somehow people are still guilty even though god did it and it's for God's glory. Or you have people say, well, like, no, people have free will. So God lets people do what they want. But God could stop them from doing bad stuff if God wanted to. Process mm-hmm. thought actually takes that a step further and says, no, God cannot prevent genuine evil unilaterally because God is non-coercive. And so the the wrinkle that I want to bring in there is to point out that this is not God limiting God's self. So this is um, back to a question asked earlier. This is one of the differences in open and relational and process thinking. Open, some open and relational thinkers will say God chooses to limit God's self. Process thinkers will say, no, God does not limit God's self. This is the essence of who God is, is uncontrolling love. And so because that is who God is, God cannot, gen, like, cannot prevent genuine evil unilaterally. Uh, because if God could, right, like say you were at a, I don't know, like a swimming pool and uh, you were there with your friend and there was like, I don't know, your friend's kid swimming in the pool. And then your friend, like this is graphic, so forgive me, but like held the kid underwater to mm. drown them um, and you didn't do anything. And then this got brought to the courthouse. They would not say, wow, like, uh, I'm really glad that you respected your friend's wishes to drown that child. Like, you didn't want to interrupt their freedom. Uh, no, you'd mm-hmm. be like, you'd, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> like, you'd right, get in right. trouble for that. So if God could prevent genuine evil and chooses not to, then in my opinion, and in the opinion of process mm-hmm. philosophers, um, God is, is on the hook for that kind of evil. And so we want to say, like, God, no, God can't unilaterally prevent genuine evil. Um, and that's, again, to tie into your point about, like, we're um, caught into imaging the divine. It's because God literally requires us to to live into this um, 
kind of future to, to give into the divine Lord. Cause God is not going to override um, our, our free will or our, our humanness. So I just, I wanted to make mm-hmm. that um, clear. Cause that's like a very important distinction in some of the thinking. Yeah, no, no that's great. And uh, yeah, I became friends with Tom on Facebook. He sent me his excerpt of his books and I read them and I got that and I've heard him on your podcast. And, and I think, I think that's great. I think that's the best um, answer I've heard to the problem of evil. And uh, yeah, that that's, that's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Tom, Tom's a really good dude. Um, and yeah, Tom, what, and what Tom is really good at too. Like, so if you have listeners who are interested in like learning more about this, Tom is really good at taking the complexities of process thinking and kind of breaking them down so that, uh, normal people without PhDs like me can understand it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I'm what I'm getting you to do for me. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a good. No, stop. Um, sorry, my phone was ringing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, Tom's very helpful in that. Um, in that regard, so helpful resource. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Getting back, do you do you have an idea of, of what that what it means to for the kingdom of heaven to to make that possible, or, or is is heaven out there, or is it new heavens, new earth? What does that mean to you? Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, just asking, I'm just gonna find every hard question no, and ask you. I, yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it though because it makes me actually like think about. Uh, you know, where I'm actually at on a lot of this stuff. <laughs> so the the kingdom of God thing, uh, you know, I would say that bringing about the kingdom of God is the call of every, like, of, well, of humanity, but within a Christian context, it's the call of, of um, Christians, right? As, you know, Jesus taught us to pray, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so to do that, we, we give into the divine lore towards the, you know, things that are good and beautiful, true in each moment. And that's how we participate within that kingdom and, and bringing that kingdom. Um, and now when we talk about, so I'm going to make a distinction that isn't necessarily fair, but when we talk about heaven, um, I don't fully know what I think about heaven Mm -hmm. yet. Um, Mm -hmm. as in some kind of like post-mortem, place that we go Mm -hmm. um i can tell you what i don't think is that we have some kind of like ethereal soul that like floats off into this place called heaven um i don't think that uh but i think consciousness whatever that is continues Mm -hmm. on um post-mortem like I think right. that is something God has the ability to do, um, mm-hmm. but within process thought, like the the lowest or like yeah, the lowest kind of like thing that you get is called objective immortality, which is the idea that so in each moment of becoming, right, God is fully inheriting the world for what it is, and then get right again, evaluating and moving to the next moment. Mm-hmm. So the past again is now set. That past exists mm-hmm. forever within the divine. And so I have objective immortality within the divine memory in that I just existed. God remembers Josh Patterson forever. And my existence has 
changed and shaped mm. God forever. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm right. now a part of the divine. So at the very mm-hmm. least in process thinking, you at least get that. Mm-hmm. And there are some thinkers mm-hmm. that that's all that they can muster is that. And that's like kind of a cool <laughs> uh-huh. thing. Like that's, that's pretty yeah. good. Um, but for a variety of other reasons, I am hopeful that there is mm-hmm. um, some kind of conscious you know, subjective as in like, I am present immortality Uh going on. Um, because I think like, I don't know, this might sound harsh, but I think there, there may be, um, some lives that weren't quite, uh, worth living in, not in the sense where I'm like, fuck that person. Um, but like infants born with like rare conditions that they just, they're born, they live, you know, 28, you know, 30 hours of a torturous existence and then they die. Like that is Mm -hmm. tragic. And Mm -hmm. because I believe God is love and God is just, I, I feel like that life is going to be redeemed somehow within Mm -hmm. the divine. And that gives me hope for some kind of like heaven, right? Some kind of Mm -hmm. post boredom existence, whatever that looks like. Um, I don't have a good answer for it. That's a very live yeah. question for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hopefully maybe that at least gets at something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I appreciate the honesty and um, that you, you're searching and you're open. And I mean, I, I don't know exactly, <laughs> you know, obviously I have, I have some ideas. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if anybody, nobody, nobody in this life knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that that's great. I appreciate that. Um yeah, this this is all all great. Is there uh, anything that that we haven't covered that you think is important to talk about, or that you want to talk about? Hmm. Uh, I well, I could throw like a fun wrinkle into it. That's something that like I've been exploring more recently. Uh, yeah, that is that. pretty common within process thinkers. Um, it's going to get like a little bit more theoretical, but uh, it has to I, do I with. Love that. <laughs> It has to do with consciousness and like what that is, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. there's a perspective within process thinking that is popular. Not all process thinkers think this way, um, but it's called uh, either panpsychism or panexperientialism is another way of saying mm-hmm. it. Um, panexperientialism mm-hmm. was kind of uh, coined by David Ray Griffin, who's a process thinker, to be mm-hmm. a little bit more specific. Um, but it's the idea that uh, mentality – um, is both fundamental and ubiquitous in uh, creation. Um, and so it's not, you don't, it's again, it gets at that bifurcation we talked about earlier. Um, right. Where you have. Is that the same thing as idealism? To okay, so it, idealism. Yeah, so idealism is the idea that everything is mind, everything um, is consciousness. Yes, everything is consciousness. Okay. So right. um, panexperientialism rejects that because it holds mm-hmm. that like matter is still a real thing. It's 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 mm-hmm. essentially dual aspect monism is like the big word for it. So it's saying that mm-hmm. consciousness and matter um, are not separate, but they're one in the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so, okay. yeah, so it's not the idea that like if you go outside like that tree, if I were to kick it, would get sad and start crying and be like, Oh, Josh kicked me. He's such a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. But rather that, um, that experience 
goes all the mm-hmm. way down. So even to the tiniest thing that makes up uh, like the building blocks of creation, there's experience. Not in the same way that like you and I are conscious, right? We have a very um, complex form of experience that is consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it, that kind of experience goes all the way down. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the, the pan-experientialism. Um, and that, again, then ties into like the, the seeing heaven in a wildflower thing. Um, mm-hmm. you can see how that fits, right? Because it, right. it's saying like everything has that kind of, um, experience to it, but also it solves like, or it's an attempt to solve like the mind body problem, um, or like the hard problem of consciousness because mm-hmm. materialists, so like reductionistic materialists, like the, the leading idea in science can't explain consciousness mm-hmm. and then right. spiritual dualist can't explain it either because they think. They believe the same thing about matter that, um, like the reductionistic fear, the reductionistic uh, materialists think. Materialist. Mm-hmm. Um, they just add the spiritual aspect. So, um, yeah, and that I mean that gets into like a whole other big thing. And this is why, like you know, um, when you talk about God not being coercive, and you say like, mm-hmm. oh well, like couldn't God have like picked up a rock because it's just matter? Um, mm-hmm. A process thinker could be like, well, no, it's not just matter. Um, they would say like uh, a vacuous actuality doesn't exist that like even within the rock, the molecules making up that rock have some kind of experience, not in the same way mm. that you and I do. Oh, so it's like, it ha- the, even you though it has free will and God can't be like, Hey rock, I'm gonna do whatever I want with you. The rock, rock is like, no, I want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so a, like in a sense, in a sense, right. Like that would be right. like an exaggerated way of saying that because this right. is like an aggregational system, like an aggregate. So like there's, yeah, it's, it gets very complex that like pan experientialism is something I'm currently studying and it's mm-hmm. like a whole can of worms, but that plays into the process world a lot. So mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. anything, maybe my point of bringing it up is like listeners might like do a Google search or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, it's a lot. I, I love- it's a lot. I love consciousness and, and I've, I've, I, I've talked to a guy, it, it just hasn't worked out, but a, a philosopher about consciousness and stuff like that. But, um, the way I think about it is, is that consciousness isn't everything like the, the, the experiential part of God is consciousness, but the, the vehicle consciousness is in the vehicle is, is matter. And so that's going to affect how consciousness lives out. And so, with with there's a big difference between humans and rocks because because of our vehicle and what is allowed mm-hmm. within that and so that's the differences that uh, that's where I'm at <laughs> yeah sure absolutely why well, I, I so like I've read I'm a not lot sure of... if that's idealism or panet- like I haven't got into it that much so yeah there'd be a lot I of like know. clarifying questions but like I I mean right. I've I've read a ton of um, idealistic. Th- I mean, there are like process people who are idealists, like um, mm-hmm. uh, Keith Ward is one of them. Um, but like, I've I've read a ton of idealist thinkers, like uh, Rupert Spira. Um, I mean, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. looking at a stack of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his books right here to my right. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I've found them helpful. Or people mm-hmm. like Alan Watts, I think, kind of fall into that category. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and it and it's not it's not bad. Like they're not. Um, there's a lot of resonance between that and process thinking, um, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, there's just like mm-hmm. some slight 
variations that ultimately end right. up being big variations, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. nerdy stuff that I'm still trying to learn and figure out. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. So I'm curious, why do you think the idea, and you were talking about this in your last episode, metaphysics, why has that been such a like under thought about or like a dirty word in Christian like theology over over time? Or has it? Yeah, well, so it got kind of, um, metaphysics kind of got kicked out of even like the big kind of like philosophical questions um, for a while. And I think if I'm correct now, you know, please people fact check me because this is me um, trying to do my best to remember. But I think uh, essentially when things like science started being able to explain things, metaphysics mm-hmm. became less important because they were like, mm-hmm. Oh, well like we're just figuring out how stuff actually works. Um, mm-hmm. but like what they failed to realize is like the metaphysics, uh, kind of behind the quantum that. physics like, brought that back. Yeah. 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 And they're like, they're assuming a whole bunch of stuff within that. Right. Um, which is mm-hmm. again, kind of the, the metaphysical, um, mm-hmm. like again, yeah. Like a lot of, Sign. What happened in science is there was this kind of bifurcation of nature. So what mm. they did was uh, they kind of reduced philosophy to like what physics can explain to us. Mm. And right. that's been very, very helpful, right? Like we've got all this like right. really cool Newtonian. technology and like etc. Mm. But what that did was it gave us the, the quantitative um, mm. aspect of things, but not it left out the qualitative. So like mm. physics can explain to us like gravity, but it can't mm-hmm. explain to us the color red. Right. Like it, mm-hmm. it can't do that or it can't. Ex- mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, like dark, dark matter. Or, yeah. You know, like, like there's, there's a whole bunch of things like uh, dimensions and all the, all these other things that we don't know exactly, but we have theories because Newtonian physics doesn't explain everything. It, it's only, it's, it's become limited. We see that it's only explained things to a certain dim- point. Yes, exactly. And so people are recognizing that the, the, this language is limited and we need a better way to think about things. So metaphysics mm-hmm. is, is becoming an, uh, is becoming popular again as people try right. to postulate, um, how things work. And that's why actually people like Whitehead, um, the founder of process thinking is becoming popular because he was like not popular mm-hmm. in his day, but mm-hmm. he is becoming mm-hmm. popular again as we uh-huh. recognize the limits of what our, kind of philosophical mm-hmm. musings have done for us. Um, and yeah. they're recognizing like, whoa, like we basically my point is Whitehead was like way ahead of his time. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so like people are, are returning to that. And that also this pan experientialism aspect or panpsychism um, aspect is also now another live option on the table because that was mm-hmm. written off a long time ago as well. Um, again, just because of like the metaphysical assumptions they were assuming this substance-based ontology, spirit mm-hmm. or mind and matter were separate, blah, 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 and then right. going from there. Um, and mm-hmm. so people are saying like, well, wait a minute. Maybe that's not how things actually are. And so mm-hmm. that's that's the metaphysical yeah. bit. Yeah, I, lo- I love all that. That That's great. Um, I appreciate you bringing that in. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's like a, a weird and nerdy world, but I think it's really important. Like it's... Metaphysics mm-hmm. is getting down to like the thing behind the thing. <laughs> like it's super Yeah, bad. right. The foundation, uh, yeah. It's yeah. really about ontology and epistemology, you could say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, both of those things. Yeah, very much so. Um 
and there's a lot of fun thinkers doing doing cool stuff with that uh but yeah i don't know i metaphysics is helpful to me because it's i'm you know trying to figure out the way things like i want to be able to have a way of talking about and including like things like experience um yeah phenomenology exactly yeah so mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's pretty cool yeah that's <laughs> great <laughs> well yeah. josh uh this is an amazing conversation i really enjoyed it we covered a lot of a lot of subjects and man i uh now that you've explained uh, uh, process theology and open relational, I uh, I resonate with it even more. So I really, I guess I could include myself in that. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the hashtag process party, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed it, man. It's it's been fun, and uh, yeah, like I I don't know. I, this is still, um, it, although these are the waters I swim in, this is still something that I'm you know actively learning about, and, and like I told you before. Uh, we started recording there's like a million you know better people that i could think of to kind of talk about this mm-hmm. so i just appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do it and uh this yeah conversation was fun and um yeah i i i don't know i grew from it i think you asked a lot of good questions that uh, yeah challenged and pushed me so thank you for the, the <laughs> opportunity yeah you're welcome um well I, you know i just appreciate your your podcast and your journey and just i feel like you have a, a authenticity and, 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 you know, humility in that you're figuring things out and you haven't got it all figured out. And you're just uh, bringing us along on the journey of, of your process of, of figuring things out. And, and so that's, that's something that really resonates with me and I try to embody the same thing. So uh, th- thanks for coming on. Uh, you've said a lot of great things and uh, appreciate it. Yeah, man, it was, it was fun. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, awesome.